welcome everybody to episode two of the Double Dan's podcast. I'm Dan Steers from Double Dan Horsemanship, and here with me is our co-host Kim Hagen. How you doing, Kim, over there? I'm a sensational, Steers. How you going? Bloody well, mate. We're still in. We're still in lockdown. Loving it. COVID nineteen. Getting so much work done. <laughs> it's actually it is as bad as it is. It is actually quite nice. I like a lot of things about it. I like the fact that it slowed the world down a little bit. Yep. We're starting to spend more time looking at the family and oh, absolutely. at home and board games. You can't buy oh. a board game in town and basically online they're sold out. I wanted to get a few new ones to play with the kids because it's a bit limited what you can play with the kids that keep keeps us interested. My mum bought Uno the other day. We already had Uno in the house, but she bought Uno. Zara, all of the age of five, has worked out Uno. Destroyed you. Well, she actually she can win some. <laughs> But she's playing with the adults, and it's just, like you said, sensational in the fact that in this situation, we, we've been playing heaps more card games, board games, family time, the horse riding, the kids riding flat out. Tom, today, so three, rode by himself for the first time. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Special moment. And he rode with Zara, so the two of them rode that? around. Yeah, it's with please, little <laughs> fella. He's vicious. Yeah, so it was... So, you know, we're getting in that opportunity and anytime mum comes down in the arena now, Tom's like, I'm coming with mum. He wants to get on board and ride. Yeah, that's awesome. Doesn't want to be left in the house. So, and, I gave my family a little bit of a real estate and economics lesson with the Monopoly. Really? Yeah, not welcome back at the table anymore. See, I can't. I I've destroyed them. You would because for those that don't know, Kim is one of the smartest persons <laughs> I know and he, he's played a scrabble with, with my mum and sister uh, up at the Caboolture actually in Queensland there and they still haven't got over it. Really? Yes. They still bring it up all the time. That was hot competition up there. Well, they thought you just creamed them. <laughs> uh, they were sweating it. Well, did that's you, it. I'm not playing again with them. Did you play with Pia? Was she involved? I think she made an appearance, but she was floating around with Zara. So I don't think, not properly. I would have been scared. So this is our second episode. We have not released the first one out there in the public, but I have listened to it back and it is, it is fantastic. I'm just going to toot her own horn. It's, a, it's great. So I wanted to just thank everybody for the great feedback. I know we haven't released it, but I know there's going to be good feedback. So now that listening to episode number two, so I'm just like, thank you guys for listening. I know you haven't heard it yet. <laughs> Is that silly or what? Well, it's uh, optimistic. I like it. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what I'm going to do is just uh, let everybody know what we're going to be talking about today before we get Dan James on the line. So we're going to cover our El Cabello Day. So this is good for Kim as well because you haven't really heard a lot of these stories. Yeah, no. You don't know much about Dan and I previous to probably being on the East Coast. Is that correct? Correct. I need a little bit of update on that one. Yep. Great. So we've got that. We've got the Perth Royal Show, which we touched on in the first episode. There's some good stories out of that. There was. There was absolutely some good stories. And then the big move from West to East. Mm. So from Western Australia over here to the East Coast. And then we're going to talk about also the first Equitana. You're ready. Big episode. It is a big episode. Let's get Dan James on the line. Let's ring the uh, septic fella. Yeah. Yeah, over there in the in the epicenter of COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear over there actually in, in Lexington, well, in Kentucky, I don't know about Lexington, but they said in Kentucky there were whole churches of people that just rebelled about the social distancing and just went to church. Hundreds of people in church just went, shove it. And the police were too frightened, given the gun laws, to step in and and say, you can't be there. Thought it would get messy. Following on from uh, Joe Exotic, only in America. How many times are we going to say that on this podcast? Only in America. All right, let's get him on the line. All right, Kim, we got DJ on the line. You there, DJ? Ooh, DJ, how are you, Dottie? Hey, guys. 
<laughs> Good boy. There you go. Uh, uh, have you had a, uh, a rum or two? Or? Yeah, so for those that are listening, we've done a bit of a reverse for episode two. So episode one, we videoed when it was Dan James's uh, evening and, and then our daytime. We're now here in Australia. It's uh, it's nearly, I think, 8 p.m. 8 o'clock, which would make it rightfully early in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, so Dan's had to set the alarm to wake up. So Kim and I are actually drinking a rum and coke as we speak. Beautiful. Sponsored by Yeti uh, Cooling Mug. Yeah, we've got our Yeti cups over here. and um, Mug or a cup? Yeah, for those that are listening, we're sorry if you get that misophonia. Do you know what misophonia is? That we're drink jingles in there. Anything, they just can't stand the sound of people eating, drinking, that oh, sort of that, stuff. Oh, that would drive you crazy. But- that sort of stuff in the background, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we apologise if that comes through. So anyway, I thought we'd start with a little bit of a catch-up. So we're all still in the lockdown situation with the COVID-19. Uh, last time we talked a bit, or episode one, a little bit about um, the, the Tiger King. This episode, I wanted to talk about the catch-up. Uh, have you been training, Dan, any new horses or anything while you've got this downtime? Yeah, I've got um, actually a really interesting horse in right now um, that just arrived two days ago. Um, is, I guess, reasonably well known over here. He was one of the upcoming future stars of the racing uh, track. And um, anyway, long story short, um, he uh, has trouble in the in the start gates so he turned up here about three days ago so he's going to be kind of an interesting one he's um quite the opposite of uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> got no problem getting out of, he the, got starting. Out of the start gates don't worry straight yeah. over the us of a <laughs> uh, boys we all had our day uh, not as many as you did, but anyway, <laughs> well, um, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Getting, uh, I guess, a racehorse in. What about from your own team perspective? Is there anything there? Uh, just the the other new yellow horse mate that I've had for for a couple, uh, I guess, for a month or six weeks now. The uh, new yellow horse old Applejack. Applejack, nice. Tell us a bit about him. Yeah. Sounds like a cider. Yeah, um, well, I've got Isabella to thank for his name. Um, She's seen him come out and she was saying uh, Applejack, and I was like, where did she get Applejack from? Of course, it's from uh, My Little Ponies. Um, And her favourite one is Pinkie Pie, and Pinkie Pie's best friend is a Palomino called Applejack, so Applejack it is. At least it's the right colour, then, if she's got the... um, Exactly. I I was impressed. Very, very good. So yeah, for us over here, um, we're full steam ahead with horses too. We got we got a bunch in, but my sort of deal is a little bit more getting them ready for landmark and sales and things next year. We've got a few uh, horses to start as well, but I think we we notched up. We're about sitting at nineteen horses a day over here. We've been ticking over, so keeping ourselves certainly busy during the during the downtime. I'm and, feeling decidedly lazy. Well, well, I the. The thing that just worries me is most of them are mine. I think I've got, uh, there's probably, well, probably half and half. It's probably nine or ten outside ones and the other ten or eleven are mine, which isn't great for the old budget, but um, some of them will be getting set up for um, Landmark and well, Which hopefully the old Nutrient Classic 
occurs in February next year. Yeah, hopefully this whole yeah. the COVID thing's all settled down. So I'm getting them uh, a little bit more prepared than I would usually. But um, but yeah, other than that, it's um, I guess business as usual. I actually got a couple of um, I actually got a couple of rainers um, here in addition to that right now too. So outside um, raining horses. Craig John, yeah, Craig Johnson and I have gone. Um, Partened up on a couple ones that he bred, so he sent me two, and uh, one of the ones I'll I'll end up keeping, and the uh, other one will go back to him um, for breaking in and getting going. So um, they're they're going to be they're from that top sale wheel horse of uh, here's that that old was probably the last crop of foal, so a um, couple of fillies um, out of them, and then we got another uh, voodoo colt coming in that Brendan and I partened on, so. Um, a few rainers floating around at the moment. Well, there you go. Well, you've got plenty of time now that you're at home with those. Talking about Craig Johnson, he is he is a funny bugger. But I, we, we talked last episode about videos and clinicians that we used to watch. I used to watch those John Lyons videos. But the other video that I watched a hell of a lot of was actually the Craig Johnson raining video. It was just insane, um, I guess, the calibre of of horse that he had at that time, like I'm talking late 80s, early 90s, and that was stopping. That was stopping as big, if not bigger, than than what the modern day horses are. I know a lot of the style of reinings changed as far as the eye appeal, but but his horses would. I reckon. I reckon he was got to be one of the all time greatest and before his time type of of people. I've actually heard um, very similar things. Uh, to that on on several occasions about um, just the amount of talent that uh, that Craig had, um, you know, well, not I say had, but um, has as a as a horseman and a trainer. One of the one of the funniest things. So he's pretty dry too. For those that don't know Craig, and you know, I know you've spent a lot of time with him, Dan. But he's got this dry sense of humour. And uh, what when we we're just in New Zealand um, last year, he. We were doing this expo, and for one of his demonstrations, Warwick must have been finishing his demonstration, and then Craig was supposed to go on next, but Craig wasn't there on time or something like that. And so Warwick actually pretended to um, to, to be Craig, and he did like a whole accent and like pretended he was Craig for everybody that was turning up. And anyway, Craig was, of course, arrived. He wasn't that late. And, um, and Warwick was doing this impersonation of him. So it was pretty funny, whatever. But then the next day it was reversed and um, Craig was on first and then Warwick was, was following him. But Warwick wasn't late. He was there on time. So Craig got him into the arena and said, oh, I just wanted to just, you know, have you in here and, and said, you know, I'm such a huge fan of yours, Warwick. And he's like doing this whole thing about telling everybody how great of a guy Warwick is. And then he pretends his phone rings. He says, oh, sorry, Warwick, I've just, it's, it's my mum. She's just calling from home. And he answers the phone and he just, he just goes off on this conversation with his mum. And he's talking about Warwick Schiller. And, and, of course, it's not a very common name in the state. So he's trying to explain to his mum on the phone. But so genuinely they, was his mum. Well, no, he wasn't on the phone to his mum. He was pretending. And he was doing this thing back and forth. But it was so <laughs> rehearsed. Like it was like it was scripted. And he's saying, no, Warwick, no, no, no. This is how, and he spells it out. And so it's got the two W's in it. No, no, that the, the W's silent. 
No, not the first one. <laughs> the, the second one, Mum. The second one. And and he's like, is he is he a good horse trainer? She must say like something. He's like, oh, he's pretty good, but no, no, he hasn't won as much money as me. No, <laughs> Mum. No, he doesn't. He doesn't like riding them. He he does things on the ground. No, but he's still good. He's still and that's what he's doing. And I, so they recorded it, and I watched it, and I'm like. This is sensational. This guy is hilarious how he's just done it. So we had like a catch-up um, at the end of the event. You know, the, these guys are really hospitable over there at Equidays and there was a big dinner thing. And so that's when I when I come to knowledge about it and they showed me the video. And so I talked to him about it and apparently his, um, uh, Craig's girlfriend was saying that he was like but literally hours in his hotel room oh, rehearsing yeah. that the <laughs> night before. He put in that much effort. Did that let you down a little bit? Yes and no, but then it gave me like this whole new respect for yeah. how much effort commitment. And, and commitment he put yeah. into it. And it was just gold. It was absolutely gold. So he has certainly got a great sense of humour. Yeah, that that is very true. Very true. So so in a way, I, I thought what we might do, Dan, to start this uh, episode off is is recap, I guess, a little bit of our timeline again, following on from our first episode, and get into the El Cabello days. How's that sound? Oh, mate, that sounds like another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first of all, uh, to explain, and I'm actually a bit intrigued because some of this stuff, like this, is where our timeline sort of meet. You are the white rabbit, Dan James. He is the white rabbit. <laughs> Head down. <laughs> That's the Easter Bunny, mate. That's oh, the Easter sorry. Bunny. Yeah, yeah. The COVID-free Easter Bunny. <laughs> so <laughs> so for, even for myself, how, how did you originally get, and, and I guess we should explain to listeners first, El Cabello, uh, Blanco was called. It was a resort back in Western Australia that um, that I guess had Spanish, Spanish, horse. Spanish horse Andalusians and they were doing sort of uh, their themed uh, horse shows. Well, as it was a franchise because they had one in they, Sydney. You did. They, they yeah. did bring it to Sydney and then they also took it to the States. But the first one was there in Western Australia and it was set up in the late 80s, early 90s. And then it got shut down and it got reopened. So we were following on from the reopened bit. So all the horses got sold. You know, I think it changed hands several times, but whoever owned it previously never brought back horses. Then they decided the, the the current owner decided that they were going to bring back the horses, and they went to uh, Spain and bought some some horses from Spain, and and they brought in Jose and Manolo Mendez, and sort of got the old team back rolling again. But somewhere in there, you got involved. How did you get started with El Cabello? Well, mate, it does kind of continue on from our previous episode when we talked about uh, the big nighttime show in Perth called Spirit of the Horse. Um, that was actually my first introduction to El Cabello Blanco. And I know that you kind of knew of it as a kid growing up, but I'd honestly never heard of it. And they happened to have a lot of horses um, also in that show. And uh, the owner, uh, whose name was uh, Matt or... Uh, Matthew Pavlinovich. Known, uh, known better as T-Rex to most of us. <laughs> um, he... Uh, did he have small arms? They approached arms? me at the show. And, what's that? Did he have we'll, small hang arms? Hang on, Kim. We'll talk about T-Rex in a minute. We'll get this part, we'll get this part done. <laughs> um, oh, it's, uh, it's making me have revisions. Um, 
so they approached me and they said, uh, you know, would I come out there? And, and at that time, I was still um, committed to the to the cattle station up in the Kimberley, and and I sort of passed it up. And they came back. I, I guess I want to say two or three more times, and it wasn't what what kind of happened. Also, in that in that time frame, is that the owner of the station kind of came to me and he said, "Look, you know, we either want you to." you know, to, to go on to be uh, into a management position, you know, here on, on the station or are you going to, you know, continue to pursue this horse thing? And it, that was probably very much a, um, you know, one of those forks in the road kind of deal. Um, I certainly had the opportunity to stay, um, stay there. They were going to go through and put us through and do our helicopter uh, training and, um, other different things and uh, basically set us up to, um, you know, eventually, you know, get into a management position for them. So I ended up obviously deciding, well, I haven't kind of seen this horse thing through enough, so I said um, I'm going to um, continue to pursue it. So that was where I parted ways with Liberinga and um, accepted a uh, a job from, uh, from, big, from Big Matt to go to El Cabello Blanco. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do this show alone. Um, so what did he, yeah, that was my uh, question. What is he exactly, what did he exactly, I guess, want you to do? Well, they, they had told me, they just simply said, look, we're trying to revamp this show. We'd like to bring some Australiana um, content and that into it. And, um, you know, we would like, you know, like for you to come here. And they said, um, you know, who else, who else could you, uh, you know, would you like to have come or that you think that you'd, you know, would be a good asset um, to the show? And of course I was immediately, huh, I know just the guy. Yeah. So that brings, you. yeah, exactly. That brings <laughs> me into this next part because uh, I know you brought it up with me. We just said so now, I guess the timeline following on from episode one to episode two. Now we've met and we're starting to hang out a little bit and you brought up about this El Cabello, but I was pretty set. In my, I was chewing a lot of horses. I was, I was training some outside horses in between. I was camp drafting and Pia just finished her vet degree. So my wife, Pia, and, uh, and she had a dream job that, that, she ha- that she had the idea of getting from when she was about four years of age, all, all sewed up. And it was probably about a three or four hour commute from El Cabello. And, and, and Dan, you were like, oh, you got to come up and you got to join me in this thing. And I wasn't saying no, but I certainly wasn't keen and saying yes and I, I got asked this in a podcast not too long ago about how it all started and and this is this is my recollection of it and then I want to get your version of it so I wasn't all mate that, you've been hit you got hit in the head not too long ago after that so you before it yeah, I'd before, yes before it I had been the, hit in the head that's right, right. so that's well I'll tell you my hit in the head version and then we'll see what your version is so anyways, and, I, and Kim, this is all news to Kim, so, so I'm going to say it to Kim here. So, he, so he's in, invited me up to come up to El Cabello and he'd, and he'd been talking about this job, but I was not interested in. Because he was wearing jodhpurs. No, he was out of his jodhpur oh, days. He was out of the jodhpurs. I would have thought he'd fit right in with the Spanish whole thing. No, no, no. He was doing hmm. the Australian. Yeah. I think he was certainly I was a little jealous. Well, he was obviously. a little jealous, but he was sticking to his guns. <laughs> Spandex on underneath. Jeans, <laughs> jeans and a cowboy hat. And, uh, and he just purchased a new horse and for those that are double dan fans you'd be aware of the horse of polo just purchased a polo as a young uh, i think three-year-old at the time and he had some feet issues that he wanted me to look at so he invited me up to come and have a look um 
at his feet. So I said, yeah, no worries. So we come up and, and Dan shoes his own horses as well, or he certainly did at the time. I'd be surprised if he's doing them now. And uh, and we went up, I had a look at the horse's feet and told him what I th- thought of what I would do in, in that situation to, to keep them um, going and, and make and make sure they're shod correctly. And then Dan said, oh, yeah, all good. Let's go and have a um, – a feed at the bar there because, like I said, it was a, it was like a hotel resort as well. So I'm like, no worries. So we go to the bar, get like a steak sandwich and a beer, and we're, we're sitting down eating, just having general chit chat. And then the owner, like we talked about before, Matthew, and uh, and like we nicknamed him T Rex, he comes and and sits and joins us, and he starts asking me a fair few questions about myself and where I'd been, what I'd been doing, and and I'm like, oh, this dude's like really really interested in me, and it's oh great, you know. He's, uh, taking a keen interest and I'm just telling him what I'm doing and what I'm up to. And anyway, during the conversation, he just stops and interrupts me and says, um, well, you sound like you're too busy to work for me. And then I said, well, yeah, I am. And, uh, and then right at that point, I realized career move. right there at that point, I realized I was actually in a job Perceptive. interview. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know I was in a job interview. And this is the, one of the first stories that I reckon Dan James plays dumb pretty bloody well. He would have been shaking his head and looking at the ground. Dan at this point just pretended that he just didn't know what was going on, and I was like, "Okay." So Matthew just says because he's obviously got more important things to do. He just says, um, "Right." He says, "You just write down what you want, you know, to come work for me and send me an email, and and we'll go from there." Is is that the truth, Dan, or have I twisted it? Actually, pretty accurate. <laughs> for a you bloke that's been out cold a few times. I don't know, but I just could not believe he could think like that, to think that he wasn't going to – I wasn't going to come up there just for a job interview, so you tricked me with your horse, or did you actually want me to look at your horse? Well, no, I definitely wanted you to look at the horse. Um, but, yeah, that definitely wasn't the, the main call. So then that, that, I guess, sparked my interest when he said, you know, write down a deal and go from there. So Dan and I then talked, and Dan said – And we should have never, ever left. <laughs> no, we had, so we got we both had probably the deals of our lifetime. But going back, Dottie, you didn't think to say to Steers, "This is the deal. We need to jump on this." Well, he no, was, mate, he was have, saying what that. I have. What I have found with Steers over the years, it's all about the presentation of the idea. Of we'll talk about one day about you know him in Walmart over here and and different scenarios. And it's all about the presentation of the idea. You picked that up right from the start. That's why I said he plays dumb yeah. so well. That's this is how I know Dan James is a lot smarter than he looks because of this <laughs> these types of stories. There's <laughs> a, a backhanded compliment if you've ever had one. These types of stories is how I know. And there's another one in, from Broom that I'll tell at another later date. That I tell you what tells me again how how smart this guy really is. So that, that gets us both started um, at El Cabello. So from there, he accepts the offer, like uh, Dan sort of um, alluded to, that it was it was really the deal of a lifetime. So to explain it to our listeners, we had our own horses getting cared for and paid for. We were, we were paid to, to train them, perform in the show. We had house, so the accommodation was all included. And they were feeding and looking after our horses. We had all day to train and work our horses, and then we'd do sometimes maybe one or two shows a week, sometimes maybe three or four in a busier week, and then other than that, hang out at the resort or do whatever. 
It was it was and crazy. Was the and first we're getting paid quite a lot. To, and, and we also got fat. Yeah, well, well, I, I think I kept my shape at that point because I was still shoeing a lot of horses. But you might, you may, you may be talking to yourself. I, I definitely that was my first fat mo- moment <laughs> in life after living at that resort and eating on. It was yeah, eating resort food that was that was actually well, really good food. Actually, that's probably why because that was of- before. I moved up there. You were actually right in the resort. When I when I came into it, we had a house that was uh, part of our accommodations, and then we started cooking for ourselves up there. Things changed a little bit. But that's let's, right. Let's backtrack a little bit. What? Where did I suppose we're heading here? Where did you guys go to leave this fantastic deal? Well, I want. It was a part of Matt. Just a, a short version was he was a businessman and uh, a property developer and. And thinks he had some big property development that was supposed to go through, and then he was going to have all this money, and they were going to buy more horses and have more staff, and they were going to create essentially like a whole new show. And that's why, in the interim, our horses were getting used in the show, but he was going to be getting their own horses, and we were going to be training those. So that was where the asset sort of was lying there. But the development just sort of wasn't ever happening, and um, T Rex died out. And so a part of the budget also died out. And so so he was- Extinction he was, issues. Yeah, there was a few things there where he wasn't paying all his bills. and, oh, and Minor issue, but the, the bloke's T-Rex. He can do what he wants. But yeah, we'll get got to- Got little arms and a big head. He'll chew your head off. We'll tell you about- t- We're going to hold up on T-Rex. Poor fella. We've got a timeline here. He's definitely got a timeline. He's going out as far as the evolution goes. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sooner than later. So we always made sure we got paid because we wouldn't perform unless we were paid. That was our deal. You so, like Velociraptors. You were you were kind of humming on this T-Rex fella and you weren't really trusting him, so you just started yeah, nipping Yeah, yeah. So we had been told a few stories. So with that with that happening, and, and like you said, you've interrupted the timeline a little bit, Kim, because we stayed there for a fair while. Um, Dan sort of saw the writing on the wall and said, we've got to get out. And I was like, I'll, I'll, when I think I'm on a good thing, I want to stick to it. So I was like, well, let's just ride it to the end. But Dan's like, no, no, we've got to go, which was the right call. But before we get into that, this is really where the Dan and Dan show started. You know, that's how original we were. That's we, where it was born. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't double Dan horsemanship. We were the Dan and Dan show. I want listeners to really Cunning. get on to that. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we're like, well, there's – you know, both of us here said so the Dan and Dan show, and we used to wear white shirts to perform, which Dan started that. He was the first one that. You had it announced with the kind of, you know, like the Triple M kind of voice. You could say the Dan Dan show. Well, we was like the Dan and Dan show. Yeah, if you and take the, out the end and you just make an echo, the, but then one of you would have been the echo. That would have been a fighting point. Yeah, there was always it's a argumentative. So, so that's where it got started and we started doing the shows together from there and started to work on, I guess, our chemistry in, in the show type of thing because we obviously had chemistry outside the arena. Well, you've already shared a burger for lunch the with whole, T-Rex, so <laughs> quite frankly, the I whole, chemistry bubbling. The whole bromance had already started. <laughs> so we, we did that and that's where we got the opportunity to start introducing new horses into the team. Like I mentioned, Apollo got, got his first – gig there for my horses it was their first performances so double image casey and you remember bobby of course mate that's what i was just gonna say that's where um big bobby 
came on onto the scene. He came onto the scene there because yeah, I did I did actually purchase that. Which uh, for our listeners, he was uh, at the time he, I bought him as a 15 year old thoroughbred ex racehorse. Um, had done a little bit of natural horsemanship after his uh, racing career and started a little bit of jumping and. We included it into our Liberty team. He was a, a Liberty jumping horse. You could ride him without a saddle and bridle. Shows were a bit dodgy. Like he was really good um, in training, but with the atmosphere, he did sort of get back to thinking it might be race mode. And so <laughs> when you did the bridleless routines, it's questionable whether you're in or out of control. And this gets me back to say even your horses, Dan, if you remember last year before, or it was actually the year before, I should say, 2018, we are getting ready for um, Equitana, and we rehatched the Dan and Dan show, and we had Ari there, your your yeah. yep, your first performance horse, and um, you're warming him up and riding him saddleless and bridleless. And, and do you remember what you said to me? You, you said, you said, Dan, if someone would bring this horse to me in a clinic and said to me that they would want to ride this horse without the bridle, you would say he's not ready for it. And yet you've been doing it for the best part of whatever a decade or more on him. <laughs> Fifteen years at that time. Yeah, showing was showing the public or, or letting the public in to say that those early days we really didn't have the control that we we really should or we really require to probably perform the acts that we did then. Now it, we went in the general direction, but it's good because it's being young and naive, right? Oh, absolutely! I think you used to no only count. I think you used to only count Ari one way because you would only get one lead. Is that is that true? No, that's when I was backwards. Nah, yeah, come on! Yeah, but most of the time you'd only go <laughs> no one way because you only picked <laughs> up like the right lead. I'm pretty sure it was the right lead because no, I, I what I couldn't what I couldn't do is I couldn't get lead changes either uh, way. Yeah, I'm I'm going to call you out I on that. I think as soon as he from said like the, from the walk, but the uh, the lead the lead changes. That they were they were non-existent. They were hopeful. <laughs> hopeful at best. I think when he said he was riding backwards and he was you know having a little difficulty getting lead changes, he's because no, i right there. Not lead changes. Then I was just getting no. lead. To, <laughs> that was just getting the correct lead. And so I, I I remember that we both had our favourite sides because we would come in to start the show. He would go right and I would go left because my favourite was left and his favourite was right. And so we did this like we'd come out cantering bareback and bridleless. He would go. Like I said, right, I'd go left and we'd be cracking the whip. And uh, and then we'd sort of like, that's how sometimes we started the show. We changed it up. But um, that was the early days. That's how we started it. So that's how I remember that it was one, you definitely had a preferred lead departure that old Ari preferred. That I, that I would agree with. There's definitely a preferred place. <laughs> So then not only at El Cabello did we get that opportunity to to train our own horses and start our show together, but we also we were also involved in in a pretty good atmosphere. Do, do you remember those family nights that we used to have? Well, mate, who, who can forget the family nights? So part of the show, and Kim, I'll, I'll catch you up to this, was there was like the Andalusian show, so the Spanish show, yep. and then there was this Australiana show, and Dan had some of his ringer mates um, down there. Tomo was there, which now, um, Anthony Thomas is, you'll be able to fill us in, Dan. Like where's he at in the bareback status? Well, going in, starting, um, into the, into this year, sitting number one in the world, um, so, on the standing. So and, not too uh, bad. Was literally, literally winning Houston, um, uh, 
Spock show in Radio, um, and the and he's been at it for like a number of years. And the irony of it is that you know you pay your dues and you know whatever, and so after a number of years, he's finally winning the Houston uh, Radio and Stock Show, which is where his home base is. And COVID nineteen comes in uh, and shuts it down. <laughs> uh, but did he start on Bobby? That was, that was the end of that. Did he start on Bobby for you guys? Not on the bareback. Bobby didn't have much buck then, but he just was he was just this skinny little wiry ringer. Um him and and we had Pet, which was Joe Pedrick, which you might know Joe because yeah. he's a local to Tamworth. Yeah. Yep. So Joe Pedrick, Dan no, knew those boys from Liveringa and, and brought them down into the show and they were And then they, there was uh, Red Red Dog and Zoe. Red Dog and Zoe doing a bit as well. So these guys had come down and then we had, there was like, it was when we first arrived, it was like this real Western V English deal, right? So it was like the, the Andalusians and they were a bit prim and proper, the girls that would look after them. Jose and Manolo Mendez were, were the trainers, but they lived in the East Coast. So they would only come over for the show and they just they just got on the piss with all of us. So th- that didn't matter. But the girls certainly sort of looked down at us. So we, we decided when we got there that we wanted to make it a family. So we created these family nights. So once a week on Wednesday nights, we would all get together and and would, it would, depending on who, whose turn it was, someone would have to arrange the meal, cook, like we had roasts or we'd have pizzas or whatever, and we'd all get together and socialise. And that was really, I, I guess, the, the turning point of – of the whole atmosphere of the group because all of a sudden we, we did become a family. We're all together and those girls then started getting involved in our, in our part of our show and, and what I'm going to say, you, you guys took the right approach because you could have taken the piss out of them and turned up in jodhpurs and done those kind of acts. Yes. Which we have gone backwards. Yeah. No, we, we want to be inclusive. Yeah. Right. We want to be you inclusive. You always have been. Mate. Exactly. We want to include everybody. So that that those shows those nights those family nights because they got pretty wild at times. I've, we used to have a handy no. cam that no nah, no it's hard to believe, but it had a handy cam that we would um, uh, do some videos of, and we and we did this DVD. Do, do you remember that DVD that I made? Yeah, who could forget the Elkabella movie? And so from time to time, when when we're going through whatever cleaning the cupboard out or whatever, we'll find this video and we'll put it on. And there's, there's footage of this family night and in the family night, like there's like one night there where I had to put like night vision on the camera and there's, you know, some rap music and things going on and some dirty dancing and, and whatnot going on and, and the lights are out and the English and the Western don't go too bad together. If anybody's <laughs> wondering out there, if you can mix the Western and the English, it, it mixes not too bad. You agree, James? Right. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so from the family nights and we started hanging around, there was a oh, bit these of- family nights sound like family nights. They just kind of you know, the family's involved, but that's you know there's well, videos around like that. No, look, it was just dan- it was all lighthearted. I mean family so, so don't I think that way. There was, there was some there was a, other little deals that I want to bring up here. I'm glad you cleared that up. That makes it like everything. Well, I, could see, I could see where Kim was going with it, Dan, and he always goes there, which I'm so innocent that it doesn't come come across <laughs> You're the first one to pick up on it. Yeah, because I can see I'm not, I pick up on what you're putting down. So anyway, to, to 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 move on a little bit is there was a couple of stories that I wanted to this is where 
where I'm building towards. They're riding the motorbike backwards. Do you remember this? Oh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> so, so this is a during the day deal. So we're, we're drinking some beers. It was afternoon, mate. It was after midday. It was after midday. Of course it was. And we're on the beers. And who, I don't even know whose motorbike it was, but it was a fairly good size two-wheeler off-road motorbike. You know, like it's a 450, 650 type. Dirt bike. Dirt bike. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was pretty significant. Sort of newish, like a KTM, something like that. It's a challenge to change up the gears riding back. So Dan gets the idea because he rides the horse bareback and bridleless in the show backwards. Think about it. Backwards. Thinking. He's like, I'm going to ride this yeah. motorbike backwards around the house. This house, it was on, was set on the top of a hill. And so there was like cut and fill. So basically the backyard was of course level, but there was a retaining wall and the retaining wall might've been like an eight foot drop from there into a horse yard, right? There's a horse in it? Yes, well, there's always horses in, in those yards. So we can wow. only assume so, right? And that was gravel as well. The outside yard was gravel. And we, there was no fence around our yard, but they used the retaining wall as the fence for the horse yard. So Dan's lined up perfectly straight to go off the edge of this retaining wall. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I know I'm drunk at the time, but I'm still sober enough to say, hey, Dan, do you think you should do it in a different direction? Because if, if you don't turn, you're going to go off the And he's like, no, no, mate, I'm going to ride it around the house. So he's, he's picturing, Dan James is picturing that he's not only going to ride this bike backwards, but he's going to, and it's like, there's not only to go around the house, there's other obstacles other than the retaining wall. There's trees. And Sounds like the classic story of where ambition outweighs talent. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and he's never done it before. It's not like he's done it on a straight yeah. road or anything. Yeah, and well, why dis- would you? Like <laughs> on a 50 cc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you just hey, go straight hey, to the well, 500. And I know I can see I can see how this picture is being painted. Don't worry, I've, I've got something that will be equally as dumbfounding at when it comes to what we the, the ideas. But I'll, okay. I'll let you finish this bit. So, so he's You're lined up. jealous that we just keep picking on you, He's mate. lined up on the, I don't think this is picking on This is just saying how much just history. Courage he's got, you could say, and yeah. ambition. He's a brave guy. So it, Swan Lager or? So he's on, I can't even remember. He, <laughs> we used to drink a lot of those barefoot beers at the time. What were they called? Rattle. Barefoot. Yeah, the, that's right. Barefoot rattle. Yeah, right. There you go. This is a bit of history. Is, I think, I think uh, what led to the fact that I only had a pair of pluggers and songs. Oh, that's right. Just oh, so you had some safety listen, shoes on. Oh, I'd forgot. I'm glad you brought that up. So, yeah, so of course, he's got he's just got thongs on or no shoes at all and uh, just in shorts and whatever. He's going to ride this motorbike. So the first time he does it, he's ready to go and he stalls the motorbike. So drops a clutch, boom, she stalls. So everybody's like, oh, <laughs> laughing and whatever else. So Dan gets going again, gets it revved up, and he is. He's revving up. And then, 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 drops the clutch. This thing spins out, bucks him off immediately, which is lucky for him. No, 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 no. It bucks no, no. you off immediately, pal. No, if I, oh, you when went two I went feet? back. Yeah. No, remember I went into the tree. <laughs> when it was spinning around, it sucked you down. It just went crazy and it dropped. No, 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 no. I'm like, back, back up. You're 100% right that I was a dickhead and I did all this. But it went, it would have, and I'll admit it only went eight to 10 feet, but I went straight into a tree because then when I hit the tree, the sun bitch fell over and landed on my what? foot peg, landed on my foot, and I would have broken my foot. Yes, I remember the foot pedal, but the way I remember it was the bike spun out like in a circular motion because you dropped the clutch. No, you talked me out of facing the retaining wall into facing the other direction. Which is. 
was lucky and enough. Was definitely in hindsight. So you've, you've um, aimed it fair at a tree. <laughs> yeah, so the, so the problem is, is this, is that if for anybody that, if you haven't tried to ride a motorbike back, <laughs> you probably should, to get a real feel for this, because after one or two attempts of being embarrassed of dropping the clutch and, and stalling it out, I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm not letting that happen again. So I did give it a little more gas, but of course the problem is on that as you let that clutch out, the natural force of gravity would push you, propel you backwards, well, because your hand's facing the wrong way, you tend to do it more. <laughs> That's exactly which what he did. He gave problem, it- yeah, which is where the problem occurred because then the, the lack of, the, well, there was a lack of steering with a lot of forward momentum, which created me clearly the wrong direction straight into the tree. And the bike and the Correct. bike, the bike peg landed on the top of his foot and of course he had no safety shoes on and it, it's, and no, it, and it broke his foot. Sober. It, it, it yeah. damaged instantly the bike. Yes. Yeah, and so he's there, he's there employed to, to roam and ride and put on shows and he's out of action. So we, do you remember? the little little fib we had to tell the old T-Rex? <laughs> it was a stretch of the truth. Yeah, just had a little Roman riding accident and, and it won't be long and Dan James will be back in action. Horse stood on your foot. One of the horses on my foot after after riding the motorbike backwards. Oh, one of the horses stood on your foot. Yeah, there was a little. I just remember there was a little little fib. There was there was a horse tied up next to the tree. I ploughed my four fifty bike into riding it backwards, <laughs> <laughs> and it whose stepped bike on my was foot. It? Do you remember whose bike it was? Yeah, Tell me, it wasn't um, T Rex. No, it, I, it was one of the girls that was there um, as one of the grooms. Yeah, it's just hardcore. Yeah, but so I'm, I can't remember the exact part on the timeline about. But you talk, we talk about. Um, What's this story? You know, incidents like that. Do you remember Sears talked into riding a unicycle down a flight of stairs? Well, I do, and <laughs> that was actually the same day, funnily enough, just a little earlier in the day. We had a pretty good day that day. So so, so the unicycle down the stairs. But could you ride a unicycle at the time? Yeah, I can ride a unicycle. Oh, Pierre can ride a unicycle. Well, of course we can. Everyone can ride a everybody unicycle. Everybody can ride a unicycle, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. We could. We used to get around cracking stock whips off the unicycles. Uh, but but you, do you remember, you said you remember, getting talked in. You were the one talking me into it, Dan James, uh, about going down. You said that, oh yeah, you've got this, mate. You can get down these. It was like six stairs, four stairs, five, six stairs, something like that. And uh, and then uh, when we looked at the stairs, it was a little bit steep and you went and got your bull riding vest and put it on me. You remember that? And a helmet. Shoes on. You what? Where were you when I had no shoes on? I went and got you a vest. Yeah, I, looked out. I looked out for you. That's what I was just thinking, actually, early <laughs> on in that. At least I told you, I turned you around so you didn't go off the uh, Probably held your beer for you, though, in fairness. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly who got them for me, but I just remember it was yours. And so the funny thing about this, Kim, is that, I, that yes, I did attempt it and go down the stairs. And the first time I got down a fair way and before I've stacked it, but these stairs led directly into a brick wall. You had to turn either There's hard the left. second element of Darwin Award here. Yes, it was. I was is, look- is you saying the first attempt... <laughs> Not only was yes, it I was heading towards the brick wall, but with hindsight, even not if Einstein's I made it, bloody even, unicycle or festival here is it? Even if I made it down every step, I was going to hit a brick wall. And were you hopping down each step? Like were you taking nah. step by step? You were just hitting it at, good. at speed. Yeah, I was just trying to roll down them. Yeah, and my first attempt was my best attempt. I didn't get any further than the first attempt. It got worse. That's why he didn't hand you a jacket. By this time, he's yeah. been pelted into the wall three or four Still, times. Yeah, he's bitter as all hell, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's just left you on your own, double plugging. Yeah, 
get him round up enough, he tries a little harder. Yeah, that was what the <laughs> theory was. I don't know how true that is. But yeah, so we did have some crazy times with family nights and a few little tricks and stuff in our El Cabello days and our younger days. And this is helping with the whole timeline of things. We were in our early 20s at the time. So we have a few excuses for our behavior. But uh, I just, just want to go back over the whole T-Rex thing because there's probably listeners out there going, well, what's who's T-Rex? What, how do you get the nickname T-Rex? You're thinking he's got short arms. Is that a right? Big head, nasty bite on him. He's, he definitely did have a big, big head with no hair, but he he couldn't see moving objects. <laughs> he was like legally blind and he wasn't, when we talk about bosses, he wasn't well liked by the stuff. Okay. I'm going to be as diplomatic you guys? as public. No, we didn't have that much of a problem with T-Rex. We were getting our bills paid, but but the other people, some of the other staff weren't always getting paid on time. And so they were a bit grisly about old T-Rex. So do you remember this, James, that we used to, it was a bit of a game that if you saw him coming, you would stand really, really still and see yeah. if you could go unnoticed, which, which happened like near on a hundred percent of the time like you would just like fold up against the wall and just stand there with your arms against the wall and he always had this personal assistant Ricky who was n- never more than like two feet from him because she would have to steer him and guide him and read things for him and drive him and whatever and she would just be like laughing to herself and smiling because she knew what we were all doing yes it's picking on this poor bugger with no well yeah but I don't know he, if he was a poor bugger that's for sure he was a rich bugger this is what, probably what he was and he wasn't paying his bills so we would do it and I remember one time I was like leaning against like a column and he's seen me yeah. and he's like, oh, Dan. And, I'm like, and then you just have to go, like, oh, hey, Matt, how are you, buddy? And just like go, <laughs> just like go into a conversation with him and pretend that you just hadn't seen him either. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I mean, huh? things just happen. Oh, but the, the, uh, do you remember when he got taken out by the two Roman riding horses? Oh, I do. I absolutely do. So so the, the, oh. the Roman riding horses used to, and they don't, they're not now, but at the time, they had, Dan used and trained these Andalusian horses that were a part of the Spanish show to do the Roman riding. And they were, they were a fantastic pair, a couple of grey horses. Um, and they used to be tied like at the girth point to sort of hold them together, which I'll be able to tell another story about that. And uh, and Dan used to sort of turn around backwards and then jump off them. And these horses knew the outgate and they would just keep going at a bit of speed at the outgate. And it was like a pretty cool little finish to the show. And Dan would run after him, waving to the crowd. And, uh, and they were getting a little bit quick, weren't they, James? And, and Matt decided that he would stop them with his lack of vision. Yeah, I mean, we've done it, I don't know, what you know, like a bunch of times. Everyone knew what the deal was. Was I just going so, I mean, back? I mean, I guess this is where, again, goes back into the T-Rex deal because what he was thinking in that moment of stepping out in front of those two horses that are coming, like, at a pretty good rate of speed. Yeah, they're going back to where they're going to get out, unsaddled. Out in front of them. Yeah. He's thinking, oh, oh, yeah. Directly in, front, directly in front, doesn't give it any consideration that there's a rope running between the two of them. And I mean, what was that? Like, he had to be, what, 16? Oh, he, was, he, he was a big, big guy. And I mean, that though, that rope between those two Andalusians at a full counter, I mean, it made him look like he was a little school kid. I mean, it, they it, they took him down. Not only did they, they dragged him too. Remember. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I can still see the image of him just getting, it was like watching roadkill. Sympathy oozing from well, .com over here. But 
like <laughs> Tiffany, the, the assistant, fair income. Where she at this point in time? She's you'd be cowering in the corner. She's, she actually used oh, to be. T Rex has come out, got T boned by bloody <laughs> T Rex. Got T boned. I like that. Just taken out. Well, she she was in the show uh, as well. She used to ride in the show, so she would have been to you know she would have been um, preoccupied. Uh, T Rex has gone out there. He said, "I'm a big fellow with little arms and a big head. And I'm these. just going to stop these I'll stop horses. These horses. These are getting out of control. Illusion, thoroughbred. I don't care. You're going to stop. Yeah. Well, no, they're not going to stop. But that. Oh. Yeah. That, <laughs> so what did the crowd think? Well, they didn't see because it was just oh, there was a, like a little alleyway, and that was yeah. about where. So then, if any of this crowd could see, they would have just seen the start of it. These guys, because what they would do is they'd go out of the open gate, and then there would be like a ninety degree turn to the left. He got dragged around the corner. So if they see, if anyone did see it, they would have seen. <laughs> Him getting dragged, but they wouldn't have seen the end. So was he maimed? Did it not? Nah, it wasn't too bad. He, uh, that part, I don't. I'm pretty sure he was all good. <laughs> I just <laughs> didn't really like him much. They so didn't no, really kind of go around to check yeah, on him. You know, you're not eventually the rope you're broke. To be fair to us, kind of left. We didn't have a whole lot. It wasn't like we could do much about it at the time. And he dusted himself off, and he, he wasn't necessarily the best of people. So I'm trying to be diplomatic on the podcast, but you're painting us in a bad picture, which I don't like. Oh, I like um, old T Rex. Got oh, buddy coming to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pay your bills, T Rex. So while we're while we're doing the El Cabello and we're doing these shows and we're having the time of our lives, Dan still thinks we got to we got to we got to branch out and get a little bit bigger. So we did a few other shows um, while we were still tied in. So we went out. We got T Rex's goat up. We did so. Yeah, no, he was all good. It was a part of the contract, a part of the deal that we could go off as long as the show went ahead. So other people did other parts of our other show. Broken feet. But yeah, well, as long as there was somebody to replace that part of the. Act. Well, it was .com. Yeah, you can't replace it um, to the full potential, but you can you, you can improvise. <laughs> so anyway, there was a show here I've got on the timeline that I wanted. We we went and did a few different bits and pieces, and, and we went out to to way out bush. Do, do you remember that trip? Where was that trip? Can you remember the oh. t- name of that town? What was the name of that? It was out of ca- past Kalgoorlie. It was a gold gold mine. I couldn't remember the name. I was hoping you were going to be able to be able to yeah. remember. It was. Yeah. I'll have to look it up and put it put it back out there. It was um it was it's it's just famous basically for for gold, but it was it's an old town. It's probably about a oh, thousand k's from Perth, nine hundred. It, it was a fair yeah, trip out easy. there, and uh, and we went out there to do do our big show. Like we're like, yep, we're in, we're going out there, and uh, we went out to to the middle of nowhere, and it was like we weren't we're not we weren't fussy, but we wouldn't even let our horses go in the yards that they provided for us. It was like we got stallions and things and. It was it was a bush racing deal where they would race the horses three or four times in the day, different races. But the the, the best part I remember, like we've gotten out there and it's like midnight, one o'clock or something in the morning. By the time we we get ourselves there and we wake up, I remember getting up and the first thing we seen the next morning is if anybody knows on the trotting track how that they have a like a, a vehicle that goes in front of the horses with the arms so they kept the start yeah. them. Well, there's, there's one old mate out there training his race horses with this same concept and what he would do is that he'd, he'd kind of he didn't they didn't have anyone exercise riders so this is how he'd train them he'd have that that car out there with those arms so those horses wouldn't get uh couldn't go by and then just drive off after and let those horses run themselves but the thing is is that once the horses got to the little gate that would go back to their stall this one horse he knew where that opening was and come galloping like i mean literally galloping flat out and make a stop and a hard turn to the right and run back to his stalls and that's how 
old mate was getting them fit. Yeah, so he was letting I mean, was, he was letting them go. What he was doing was he it was it was yeah. like it was a rig that they use for trotting horses, which is more understandable. So they would time up to these deals and and they're behind like an old falcon or something. He was out in the bush. It wasn't on the track either. It was out in the bush. And he would tell us he'd get like sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred meters from home. He'd stop the vehicle and he would let the horses gallop home. And they were just like through the bush, through whatever. There was there was six race horses. And we were at in the morning, we we're there and they're galloping like you just think these horses are just broken free from jail and they'll come and screeching and going into yards and there was just metal and it was just hectic and we're like, yep, this is uh we're the big entertainment here at the Oh, Leonora, I got the name Dan, Leonora Show, the big bush racing Good meeting. Job. And we were the we were the main act and we just realized how big we were when we were at the Leonora show to the point that we drank the water the horses didn't drink the water. So we tasted the water and it was pure salt. It was disgusting. And we we didn't think we were precious at all. We were like, hey, can we get some water that the horses would drink? So they like brought in um, local town drinking water for our horses to drink at the Cunnamulla show. So we we really knew we'd made it. When Somebody we- at the Leonora podcast that's being recorded tonight talking about those stuck up bloody dance that came out yeah, there. Yeah, I'd be surprised if there's a podcast. water and they wouldn't have. I'm pretty sure that they don't even know what a podcast is in Leonora. Still catching the horses. <laughs> I'm still pretty sure that back in 1920 somewhere, yeah, they, they wouldn't even have COVID-19 in Leonora. Wouldn't exist. <laughs> Social isolation existed long before, you reckon? Ah, oh, no, I'm thinking the bars, everything's still going in Leonora. I think they're exempt. I think those guys would be, they, they, you couldn't get, they just couldn't contract it. It wouldn't, that'd be. But be you biggest. remember, you remember soliciting um, the, the little Aboriginal kid in there to do backflips off the horse? No, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> Because we always wanted somebody to do a backflip in the show. Yeah. Oh, we got Donald. Yeah, that was after. This is before <laughs> Donald, much before Donald. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? We were in town, downtown, Leonora. Yeah, that's right. Because we had to do it's like a up. bit of a pre-show to get the crowd excited. So we went to a vacant block and all the indigenous kids came downtown. down. All the indigenous kids. Yeah. And you, we saw, that's right. We saw a kid do a backflip there. He got all excited and we hooked him up into the show. Yeah. He's, he, I mean, he was talking down with all of his friends. It was, it was awesome for everyone. <laughs> it was good. It was, it was always, because it remember everywhere we went you know we'd stand up crack whips you know do all this stuff and they'd be like do a backwards do a backwards and I was so sick and tired of hearing people do a backwards and I'm like we're going to have a backflip we've got a ba- finally got a backflip but you know the, Kim whenever you do a backflip in a shot like that's what they would say like Dan would roam and ride and jump his whip or do whatever and then somebody from the crowd would be like yeah do a backflip and then as soon as we have somebody in the show do a backflip you know what their answer to that is do a oh. double backflip <laughs> like you just can't win with these people <laughs> it was like do a double <laughs> You know, it's like it was ridiculous. Somewhere in this timeline, this is where I'm trying to catch up, and that's why I'm glad I've got got DJ to be a sounding board here. Meeting Heath Harris. Somewhere in here, you've 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 met Heath Harris. Where's this? Yeah, well, remember I went across to Sydney, to Tamworth, of all places, to pick up that that truck and trailer. Oh, that classic bit of equipment. Yeah, God, yeah. It was good. He bought that. he bought the dodgiest truck and gooseneck out of out of horse deals from Western Australia. It was it was a, it was yeah. a piece of work, and he got it back. There. So that's right. Cool. So, wow. Well, that was no, well, that was a problem. I didn't get it back there. I only got from Tamworth to Sydney um, because I had to pick up six horses for um, for pet and take them back to Western Australia. And uh, I only got as far as um, as uh, Sydney at, at Heath Harris's place. And uh, we, I think, we did the transmission, and then we also did uh, four wheel four wheels. Had to do brakes and bearings on the trailer as well. But by the time he turned up home, there was like cracking the, the A frame of the goose sack. I mean, it was it. 
it was horrendous um, to probably paint it light. Um, but but this again, like the silver lining from the dot com story was meeting um, the Carters, punked. The silver lining from buying this gooseneck is then you got to spend a bit of time with Heath Harris, didn't you? That's right. That's how, I mean, that was that's how um, I got to uh, meet uh, Heath and Chrissy. So for, for the listeners out there, if they don't know Heath or Chrissy Harris, is these are these are famous movie horse trainers here in Australia, um, and and, the, and Heath's I, I mean have been a part of some of the biggest movies that have ever been made with horses from from like Zorro Two to Far Lap. Um, there's, there's a bunch of a Man from Snow River Two. There, there was a heap, um, the the Black Beauty series television uh, ads, heaps of stuff he'd been a part of as well as um, live performances. And so he had a like complete liberty program that when you met Heath, he was more than happy to share. I wouldn't say more than happy, but he, he did share share the program. And, and that was when you came back from Heath and you got back to WA. You were so excited. This is how I remember it because we didn't have a program. We were just flying by the seat of our pants. For how long were you there, I suppose, repairing this dodgy no, truck? It was, like, it was only like a week or so, wasn't it, James? Yeah, just over, just over over a week, yeah. Yeah, but you got he, Dan got enough got the, the first time. It, it wasn't yep. the last time we were, we, we were going to have Heath in this store. We got Heath's coming up in a fair few episodes, but it was it was certainly the first. And and when Dan came back from there, I mean, this is like a kid in the candy store again would be underselling the story. He was so excited. He learned about Mark training, about Liberty, about the circles because you just got Amelia half heartedly trotting a small circle one direction around him, and Dan was like, "How cool is this?" Well, we, we now he's seen Heath's deal. It's like his horses are cantering circles both directions, stopping, Mark training, rearing, laying down from distance. It was just crazy. So from there, this is why I put it into the timeline because everything just changed for both of us. It was like, even though I wasn't there, by having DJ there, it was like we were there together and, and everything turned from that point on. Is, is that how you remember it? Totally. That was a, that was a significant, um, as you said, timeline, point on that timeline of uh, made change. So yeah, so we certainly can't thank him enough. Like Heath seeing our show was just like, yep, yeah, boys, you got something here, but you got no program, you got no structure. So for Heath coming on board. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, we thought we no program, no structure. Yeah, didn't What's this you talk of? didn't sound like us at all. <laughs> got a backflip. We got a backflip. Yeah, we yeah. got an indigenous kid that backflipped once in Leonora. Got to travel a thousand k's for it, but we got a back. Did you see that Heath? I mean, come on, hello. <laughs> so, so that starts to help, I guess, for everybody. Now we're starting to get into a, a new era in our in our timeline. So, so from there, Dan brought this gooseneck. He's brought it back to WA. We're, we're retraining and starting our horses in a whole in a whole different um, dynamic and program training program and then and then you've also got the way of the horse do you remember this like 2008 we're going to talk about equitana at this point you're in in the way of the horse it's not the it's not double dan's we, we were sort of running it as the dan and dan show and and things were sort of separate and this was even before i met dan he got the invitation for the way of the horse so that old gooseneck that yeah, old so rig re- yep so remember though how that how that came about like again just to insert into the timeline so i was at the station when uh, i got the invitation to go to Equitana and to the way of the horse but then they had um, equine influenza in Australia and they had to cancel it and put it on the following year oh I didn't realize and that I was how that, that that part in that timeline um, you know it stretched out it, otherwise it would have all happened a year year earlier yeah because WA didn't get really affected by EI because it didn't come across the border it was too scared and uh, and so for us it was business as usual in the equestrian world and so yeah that makes sense because I was thinking just when I read that back I was like well, Dad and I had already done a fair bit of stuff together before he went over. But from the moment I really met Dan, there was talk of this Equitana way of the horse. And I'd been to Equitana um, a previous year.
this year and just watch from a spectator point of view and just like this show's crazy i'd just love to be a part of it so, so dan got the call up to go and so i flew over and, and dan traveled that old rig back across the nullarbor and and spent a bit more time <laughs> yeah. spent a bit more time with heath harris and and then rolled into melbourne i flew into melbourne and, and i was his pen wrangler there at, this uh, was 2008 2008 from 2000 yep that's right yep. so 2008 we rolled down there to melbourne equitana a couple of country boys in the big city it was all pretty excited i had a little th- three by three booth that was a little booth and we just stand there because we didn't have anything to sell or do anything or talk about much <laughs> but, but i don't know do you remember that little spot but we didn't have anything what were we doing there i got no idea we just used to hang out there and meet a few Signing people Signing hats and i don't even think we we're doing that too much but anyway but but all yeah, i remember no, all i remember look at Ross and guy between had a big lounge chair in his uh in his booth and, and yeah, that he, was it that was in his heyday yeah go, guy mclean was selling um dvds and he was so popular that he just he had like designated signing times like 10 o'clock and then there'd be this line out the door or two o'clock in the afternoon line out the door. Dan and i just hanging out there together just spinning yarns and walking around doing whatever we wanted but but anyway apart from us being so popular there was the competition which was for the listeners in america it's a, it's a basically a, a road to the horse in australia and they called way of the horse and it was the second year running and dan got the invitation and i was his little pen wrangler and help and he got your selection out of two horses and and, and we'll stand in there and dan's like what do you think and, he, and one of the horses came up to us and sniffed us across through the fence and the rest wouldn't have a bar of you i'm like pick him so we pick him and then we get into the deal and dan and i haven't done much together as far as any cult starting or anything we've done these shows but we hadn't done anything like breaking in together and uh and I, all i remember is dan trying to lasso this horse and he's throwing the rope and he'd miss throw the rope he'd miss and he must have done this i don't know about a dozen times that's what it seemed like and the horse eventually just yeah went, but the first oh, the first yeah. no remember i was throwing it out there i was throwing it out there trying to pretend like i wasn't meaning to oh, and, that that uh, was? and then when i yeah exactly it was like uh, you know i'd seen one of uh, your deals where you throw it on the back of the on the back of the wither yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> i'm calling bs that's what you're pretending but it, but the funny thing is what i remember is this horse just stopped this unhandled horse stopped walked to dan and just basically lowered his head and dan just placed the loop over his head while he was standing there stationary a foot away from him and just was like just stop throwing it that's what this horse was doing just just quit now you don't need to throw a rope at me i'll just let you catch me so dan catches his horse the other two competitors still haven't caught their horse they're doing it two completely different ways dan catches his he gets a halter on he starts working this guy's this horse is the softest horse you've ever seen right butter would melt in his mouth he's as kind as pie and dan's getting about his deal and then he's like oh i don't know what to do next you know like what are you thinking i was like how do you not turn up here yeah and know like you've caught him you're now running out of ideas i've caught him and now what's next and i'm like and i'm like because i've been breaking a few horses in had a mouthing program and so i'm like mate i've got a mouthing program but i can't just explain it to you through the fence like right now and you're like yeah fair enough and he just went out and just like saddled him and horse just didn't buck or do anything and then he just jumped on with just a halter and just rode him around. I don't even think he might have even put the bit in. He just like was the most compliant horse. Well, I can ever. tell the story from a um, my secretary and her daughter were part of the um, right. friends down about it. That 17-year-old daughter.com, it was absolutely gobsmacked at not only your horse wrangling abilities, but your beauty. Because quite frankly, she came back. I was going to ba- say, I had hair. I had yeah. hair, mate. Yeah, she that came was- back. 
back and that she was, was just like right that Dan James. Oh, oh, he could lasso me anytime. Well, he wouldn't wouldn't be able to well, catch no, it. Obviously, he'd, he'd take a dozen goes at least. <laughs> and but then most kind of, of the girls would just walk up and say yeah, the same yeah. deal. Just rape me, the end. Rape me. exactly. But um, their their kind of recollection of it um, because I unfortunately missed out on it that year was that you just blitzed them. You, oh, you certainly did. Totally cleaned up, and there was some but, poor bugger. I don't know his name. It's probably best we, no, don't, we don't say. We don't say. But the poor bugger didn't even catch the horse by the end of the second or third round. He was just struggling, poor fella. No, it wasn't. Would have been a very big round yard for him. Yeah, yep. And and so he, so Dan walked through this competition basically, and it, it was just it was a it was a whitewash. He just clean, cleaned it up, and and that was probably the, the really turning point I think for our introduction to the East Coast. But you travelled home from that show, Dan, to back with the crappy gooseneck to go back to Western Australia. And is there a story about you getting on the Nullarbor and buying like a meat pie and fuel and, and not having... Oh, yeah. I remember, you know, you, you, you think that you get to Equitana, you win way the horse and you're like, <laughs> I'm never going to see another another uh, four day in my life. And I was fortunate enough that Cassie, our mate there in Western Australia, got me hooked up with a uh, fuel sponsorship um, with BP and uh, they, uh, they gave me a fuel card and that's what funded the, the pay the fuel because it was, I mean, nice. I remember going across the Nullarbor and I think it was $2.80 a litre oh. um, going across and I remember getting to a truck stop and tried to uh, buy a meat pie and uh, I think it was a, an ice chocolate dare and my card uh, was declined yeah. and uh, I had to, I had, because we must have sold something at the booth here. There, oh, there, there was, was the something next time. Yeah. Because, no, because I, 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 went, I went to the, uh, I had to go in and, and uh, rob myself because I had, I think there was 20 or $30 from something that we'd sold at the booth. Oh, maybe you had some and that's small what I paid thing. The, for the meat with the meat pie and uh, and the drink. I mean, it was things were tight. That would have been one lonely trip across the Nullarbor without a dog's eye and a bloody because you were drink. By, we did yeah you were by yourself on that trip traveling or, or did you have someone with you? That part I don't remember. I, I think I remember being by myself because I did that a couple of times. Yeah. I remember the one trip dog I had the dog with me. Yeah, going to Heaths, you got lost or something, didn't you? And you had the dog the dog with you. <laughs> yeah, that was a miserable. GPS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was miserable. So that's really onwards and upwards from there. Things things haven't haven't looked as bad as that, I guess. And that was a, it, like I said, I think that's a turning point as far as the double dance is sort of concerned. Um, you know, we we probably came over to the east coast, which we're going to talk about in the in the coming episodes about when we arrived and the shows that we did. And we probably thought we did it tough, you know, when we first arrived. But nothing will compare to that moment there where you cannot buy wow. when you card gets declined after you've just won, you know, the biggest event of your life. Could have swapped him a trophy saddle for it. You, and you cannot buy meat pie and an iced coffee. When that happens, you you know you're onwards and upwards time. from yeah. there. I mean that you're at the bottom. You're at the bottom from that point and it's only going to be one way up. So we get back. We've got to keep moving on. We get back to WA and we do the Perth Royal Show together. So we talked in the previous episode about Dan firstly doing the Royal Show, I guess, uh, um, unannounced or uncontracted, just turns up and somehow gets a gig. Then the following year, he's got a contract and he's there as Dan James. And that's that's when I sort of slip in and, and first started to meet Dan James. Then we go back again. So this must be again in the 2008 and we're performing together at uh, at Perth Royal doing the famous Dan and Dan show with the Girls, Girls, Girls WA trick riding show out in the main arena. There's a little shout out to the Girls, Girls, Girls. And, uh, and we get uh, spotted by Sydney Royal 
Royal. And they give us the invitation to come to the East Coast and do the show on the East Coast. Now, they must have approached you, Dan. How did that how did that come about? That's a good question. I remember Morel um, uh, coming over to the um, to the Perth show. And I want to say that, no, nah, I forget. I don't remember how that, that conversation ar- um, arose. I remember them reaching out, contacting us. It was not long after them, then was also Adelaide. Well, yes, Adelaide, I think, is when we when we did Sydney. That's when Adelaide approached us. When we were doing Perth, because this is how I remember everything. Dan's always got an ulterior motive, you know, when he does something. And so Dan had been talking at that time, like, got to move east, you know, we've got to get there. And, and, and Pierre and I were so entrenched in WA with both our families being from Western Australia. Like I said previously, she was she just graduated being a vet. I'm a farrier. Our life's in WA. And Dan had been sort of pushing in that earlier 2008, you know, we're going to leave El Cabello. And I'm like, we've got a very good job at El Cabello. We've got to go east. We've got to, he's, he's pushing and I'm, I'm holding him back. And then we, he gets this, this, you know, invite from Sydney Royal, which is like the biggest agricultural show in Australia to come over and perform there as a headline act. And they're going to pay all our expenses, our travel expenses, which was way more than the performance fee. They're going to pay our performance fee. And Dan's like, they're going to give us this much money. This is enough money for us to move over there, for us to get over there, travel, do the show. And, and you know, compared to obviously the Equitana living off a meat pie and a nice coffee days, this was big bucks. And he's like, we've got to take this That's opportunity. That's a solid deal. Because they were going to pay our way to go there and come back. Wow. Travel. That's right. With all our horses. So we're like, Dan's like, let's use that travel money to go one way, stay there and make a go of it, right? And that's really where this timeline gets up to because we're edging closer. We're, we're still not double Dan with the Dan and Dan show, just remember. So for the, for the next episode, we're going to we're gonna branch into how we become the double dance and really how we launch ourselves on the East Coast. And it's all off the back of being and, spotted. And Kim, yeah. Kim don't, don't let the ears get past where he gets kicked out of the bar for serving for serving other people. Let's leave um, that. that. Let's leave that. Though. I have heard a story like that. Let's um let's leave that for now. And if I'm <laughs> if I'm any good at this editing, I'm gonna edit this out. But if I'm not, if you are listening to this out there in the podcast world, I haven't edited that clearly. <laughs> but if I can, I will because we're gonna talk about the whole Sydney Royal in our next episode and, and there is a few incriminating stories that I'll probably have to speak about, which is um unfortunate for myself. But but other than that, we're sort of Finally. Yeah, we're sort of getting to a wrap of, of our episode two because we're, we're our timeline now. We're getting into late 2008. We're, we're branching out into early 2009 and that's where essentially Double Dan horsemanship gets established. So I'm sort of, I'm excited. And the other the other important thing to insert into that timeline because it, it, it does play a part in today's actual uh, event is remember at the right after the Perth Royal Show, um, I left there to go for another trip back to America. And that uh, was a crucial part of um, of coming to Kentucky to the World Equestrian Games. To the World Equestrian Games, yeah. Well, I was going to cover the World Equestrian Games in the 2010, so we might leave that story for which will be probably episode four or five uh, when we talk about that, because that exactly is, is what you're saying is an integral part of double down horsemanship being in the USA, which will make sense to Dan always being, um, I guess, really optimistic in, into into the future and looking into it, because I know that point there. That's where the seed in his mind gets planted that we're going to go we're not going at the east coast we're going to the US of A um, but he was just he was just treading carefully the way that he was preparing myself yeah. 
for for the time and telling me let's just go to let's just go to the east coast as he was then going to go once we got to the east coast he was like let's go to survey and i was like oh it's a pretty big move pal but anyway as a bit of a wrap we've got to wrap this episode up uh we're going to be talking a little bit more in the episode number three about how the double dan got started yes we'll talk about the sydney royal shenanigans and and then of course the first world equestrian games and and much much more it's been great to have both you boys on board for our second episode i think we've done pretty good again what do you guys think yeah i think uh it was good of james to get up early in the morning about 5 30 start for him in, yeah, it was, uh, just, just, yeah it was uh i got up at uh, quarter past five and it, it's cold like it's like minus five or eight here this morning so, so summer, ha- so summer a, hasn't uh, started yet no i don't know what the hell is wrong with it it's meant to be well and truly uh starting to be a lot warmer than that right now it's freezing ass cold here well, we are feeling sorry for you while we sip away at our rum mm. and cokes and we really feel bad for you yeah. there, mate. Yeah, and, then, and then as you go to go and lay your head let go and lay your head down. Yeah, well, as we're gonna go have a little nap. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, a little kip or the morrow brings on another twenty eight degrees uh, Celsius. And I was getting about, pretty warm for this yeah, time of year. We had seventy two Fahrenheit, you know. But we're okay. We're struggling <laughs> through it. Yeah, sun, no wind, it was well, yeah. perfect conditions really, but not much to complain about unfortunately for Dan James over there who's suffering in the well, Com. <laughs> the bit of cold. Yeah. But, but thanks for joining us nonetheless, Dan James, and of course, Kim Hagen for coming over to the Double Dan studio. Thank you, Kim. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Hey, See ya.